This is the Church Security Made Simple podcast, giving leaders practical solutions to help make your community safer. I'm your host, Simon Osmo, and I'm on a mission to keep his churches safe. Now, it's been over 10 years since the Lord called me into security ministry, and as a national church safety practitioner supporting churches across the country, I'll share my expertise to give you simple solutions to keep your church safe. So if you're ready to make your church security simple, come join me and let's dive into this week's episode as we learn how to plan, prepare and protect our ministries. Welcome to another episode of the Church Security Made Simple podcast and today we are talking about background checks. Now I'm going to give you four steps to ensure you have a robust screening program. Now before we start, if you get value from today's conversation, please don't forget to share, leave comments and rate and review wherever you are listening and watching. It means so much to me, it really does. Now the reason Why we're talking about background checks today is I saw in a Facebook group this week, someone posted that a church treasurer was complaining over a $20 price hike in the price of a background check. Now, what was concerning to me is that everyone was really skirting around the conversation surrounding why was the treasurer questioning a $20 price hike, which to me just seemed absurd that someone was going to challenge the price of a background check, particularly with it rising from $10 to $30. I'm going to explain a little bit more about that. So it's going to be a little bit of a wake-up call for background checks and why do we need background checks. So let's dive in. Let's start by reminding ourselves, firstly, why we have the background process in the first place. Why do we have the background process in the first place? That should be the fundamental of everything we're going to talk about. Well, there's two reasons. One, we want to find those people within our community that could be sexual offenders towards our young children. Um, Jesus said, let the children come to me. We want to protect those young, innocent children. So we're going to do background checks to find those sexual offenders. The second reason why we're doing background checks is to identify people who may not be suitable for certain positions. It could be your church treasurer. It could be your children's leader. It could be somebody who works in youth ministry. We're going to find people that might not be suitable for key positions. It doesn't mean that they can't serve. It doesn't mean that they can't work at a church, but there could be another role for them depending on their history and background as to who they are. So let's start here as to why we shouldn't get kickback for moving from a $10 background check to $30 background check, which to me is still really low. We've got to really start off with that point. So perhaps it's the lack of knowledge that the treasurer may have around the financial controls, and perhaps you don't have a strong enough policy dictating when and where and who and why you're conducting background checks. So let's dive into that a little bit. So I mentioned two categories and the first one was sexual offenders. So let's remind ourselves about sexual predatory behavior. A sexual offender needs three things to be able to abuse. 
They need to be in a position of authority. That person needs to be in an authority around children. The second thing they need is they need to be trusted. Now, sexual predators, as we know, will work incredibly hard to gain that trust of adults, no ways children, they will gain the trust of adults to get the third point that they need to commit offences, access to children. So a sexual offender will work incredibly hard to get in a position of authority, in a trusted position of an adult. That adult trusts them in that role and they need access to children. That is one of the reasons why we are doing background checks to find those people that might not be healthy around our children. Now, when I worked in financial risk compliance for three of the country's largest finance institutions, uh, part of my role as director was to adjudicate backgrounds. And I've adjudicated hundreds of background checks where HR have been a little bit unsure as to what do we do? Does this person work for us? Does they not? Do they not? And what we really need is clear guidance. So that experience has taught me but background checks need to focus on the right things. And I'm going to give you four things today that you can do to ensure that you have a solid process around your background screening program. So I'm going to give you four things to ensure you have a solid process around your background screening. So the first step is determine the roles determine the volunteer positions that need to be screened. This is step one. Determine the who. So we have children's ministry, church treasurer, leadership roles, people that touch money, people that are driving our vehicles. Whatever you feel is needed where it's going to benefit you to know is Simon of a good person, we are going to do a background check. So the first step on any process, any program, is to determine the roles and volunteers that need to be screened and write this down within your policy. If you fall into one of these categories, you are automatically background checked. And we're going to talk a little bit in a few moments as to what that looked like. But that is the first thing that I would encourage you to do is to create the criteria. The criteria dictates the background check. Step one, determine the roles, determine the volunteer positions that need to be screened. Some of those are more obvious than others, but it could be those that are driving your vehicles, making sure doing a background check that no one has a DWI within their past history or any might have any addiction around um, alcoholism, which might mean that they're not going to be a safe driver. So step one, determine the roles and volunteer positions that need to be screened. And then the second step is determine the background requirements. Now, what do I mean by this? We've, we've discussed the who. We know who within our church community needs to have a background check. Now we're talking about the how. What is it we're actually going to screen them for? Because most often, in a house of worship, people will rely solely on what well, we spent $30, $50, or even $100 on this background check. It came back clear or they tested for these things and, and it's okay. Well, I would ask you to go a little bit deeper than that within your background check and you determine what is the house. So it could be multi-state. We actually had it here at my church where we had an individual 
that resided in Florida and re- resided in Minnesota when in Florida they had actually been convicted of child sexual offences. We found that out through doing a multi-state background screening process. You have someone like me. I am a British American, but I spent a large portion of my life living in the UK. Do you need to do an international background check on Simon to work out well, who was I when I was in England before I got here now? How often are you going to do these roles? It could be someone working around children, uh, someone in your finance. Some of these key roles, they should be yearly background checks. One of the reasons why the Catholic Church gets themselves into trouble is still consistently we hear they do background checks three to five years. That is not enough. A background check is like a test. It's valid on the day that you took it. Simon takes a test one day, I'm clear. Two, three months later, I'm convicted. You might not find that again for another two to five years. Background checks should be yearly. So you determine the how. How often are you going to carry out these checks for which different roles? Uh, Employment history. We're going wider now and just paying someone to do a background check on Simon's previous behavior, previous offending patterns. Employment history. People that work around children, remember, those that want to sexually abuse need three things. And they will work incredibly hard to get access, to get authority, to build trust around children. So you want to look at someone's employment history. Have they got any history of working with children before? Why are they so keen now to come and volunteer inside your children's ministry? Financial backgrounds, again, In House of Worship, some people feel reluctant to do these checks, but we're going wider than just doing a background check where we're paying someone. It could be we need to dive into their financial positions. We might need to ask them to sign to say, we are going to do a financial background check on you because you are our church treasurer, because you are an usher who weekly is counting our money. You are going to work with someone else and two people will be there. The money will be counted. You're going to put the money in the safe. Then, Or maybe you're going to take that money if you're a small church to a bank and, and bank the money for us. We need to do a financial background check on you just to make sure there's no irregularities, to make sure we've got you in the right position so you can serve. So what does it look like for you? And lastly, depending on the role, you might want to interview friends, family, employers. Um, One of the key positions is not around church safety teams. I really encourage churches to interview family members when someone is going to join your safety team. Find out the nature of their character. These people are your first responders. They're going to be dealing with adversity. They're going to be dealing with conflict. They could be working in and around money. There could be some positions where you need to Find out what is Simon's character truly like. Is he going to be serving in the best position? So remember things like multi-state background checks, multi-country background checks, determining how often you're going to do these background checks, knowing that a check is like a test, is valid on the day that you take it. Then we're going to go wider now. 
wider than just having someone's criminal history checked. We're going to look at their employment history. Why do they want to work in this role? Does it align with volunteerism they've done before? Does it align with their outside employment? We may need to look at their financial background. Does it make sense? Is there anything in their financial background which is going to prohibit them or which is going to make them vulnerable perhaps to theft, to embezzlement? What are some of those things? And we're going to really understand their character. What interviews do we need to complete with friends, families, employees to make sure that we have the right person? So the first thing we did was to determine the roles that need to be screened. The second thing was determine the background requirements. What is it we're actually going to do? And then step three is create an approval process. And we actually had this at my church before we implemented our new policy, what I called a full start where someone started volunteering within the church. Then we did the background check and we realized actually all oh, within your background, you can't be in that role. We had to very embarrassingly move them to another role. So create an approval process and actually have someone not start until the background screening program has been completed. So this is things like, is a history of stealing okay? 20 years ago, two years ago, does it matter if they're your treasurer? Does it matter if they're your usher? If they're a greeter, they work in children's ministry. If you create an adjudication panel who can review the results of the wider background checks, we're not just talking now about the paid service, we're talking about employment, the financial, could be interviews of any members of family or people that know them. Because failure doesn't mean that they can't serve. It might just mean they need to serve in a different area of the church. But find a group that can be your adjudication panel in your approval process. And then after, encourage churches to create a matrix as to what is allowed for each role. So a church treasurer, you might say straight away, any theft and dishonesty, you can never be a treasurer. If you're an usher or a greeter, well, if you're greeting someone on the front door of a church, it's okay perhaps to have some dishonesty in your background. Working with children, absolutely not. Any um, previous offending of innocence around children, you cannot serve in our youth ministry. So you can create this matrix as to what adverse behaviours that could be in, could be out, might need further discussion. There could be an exception policy that 25 years ago, Simon was convicted of theft. Now he wants to be our church treasurer. Normally, the policy says no, but maybe there's an exception. You sit down, you talk about this for 25 years is a long time ago. Um, he's redeemed. He's done other positions to show that he can be trusted. Yes, perhaps he can be that treasurer. So you really need this adjudication process, the approval process to work out what do you do with those results now? What do those things look like? And then the fourth step is the requirements dictate the cost. So I started this conversation saying that a treasurer was arguing that a background screening check was going to move from $10 to $30, which I'll tell you now is cheap in any case. They shouldn't have been complaining from $10 to $30. But if you follow these steps, it really the conversation moves from what vendor can fulfill the requirements laid out in our policy rather than empowering the treasurer to make that decision. We have a policy as to who requires a background check. We have a policy as to how we screen them. The only question for you becomes, how can we find the best vendor for the best price, which is going to cover all our procedures? So you're removing the power from that 
treasurer coming to you and saying, this is too expensive. You can go and say, remember, remember the procedures are here for two reasons. Identify those that may want to cause our children harm. And number two, find people who might not be fit to serve in that role. That is the very reason we are doing this background check. And as a result of that, we now need to find a company that can do this standard of our check per laid out in our policy. So I hope that this has helped you in some way. If you want more information on some reputable companies that can help you with background checks, um, I'll leave some details in the show notes. And so you can go to those organizations and they can help you. And like I said, really look at background checks as being wider than just a paid service. We're talking about employment. We're talking about their history of volunteerism. We're talking about interviewing people that they know. And it could be a financial check. So really take these wide. What role are they in? What are your requirements? And then your policy is going to dictate how you then complete that check. And then you can find someone within your budget, but you can't drift from your requirements once you have them laid out. So I hope that this episode has helped you in some way. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and share. If you're listening to the audio, so grateful that you join me each week as we go through these episodes. Please serve with your network. So I hope this has blessed you and I shall see you in that next episode. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Church Security Made Simple podcast. If you're looking for training on how to keep you and your church community safe, or if you're interested in working with me on my five-week group coaching program, please head over to worshipsecurity.org. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening. Now, I'll be back with you on the next episode. But until then, stay safe, have a blessed day. And remember, always plan, prepare and protect your ministry.